This is God's word to us today. Brothers and sisters, what makes you afraid? What scares you? Is it an open border? Is it spiraling inflation? Is it skyrocketing gas prices? Is it millions of people coming into your country and you don't know who they are? What scares you? Is it war in the Middle East? Is, the th is it the threat of China against the Republic of Taiwan? What scares you? As the car commercial says, your mileage will vary. Not everybody gets scared by the same thing. Some people like to get scared. That's why they celebrate Halloween in the crazy ways in which they do. I think there's enough terror and horror in the, in the world. I really don't need to do that. Maybe you're like me. Whatever scares you, the psalmist tells us what to do about it and where to go with it this morning. We read this morning from what is known as the second volume of the Psalter. I teach a weekday morning men's Bible study on Zoom, and we've been sojourning through the Psalms. We'll hit 65 tomorrow morning. And our pastor at Garst Middle, James Clark, is also going through the Psalms. We hit Psalm 115 last Wednesday. So I've been eating and drinking and breathing in and breathing out the Psalms for well over nearly a year now. And so you're getting two sermons from the Psalms today. Uh, and uh, I can't wait to hear what I have to say because I've never preached these before. I hope you feel the same way. In this first volume, in the first volume of the Psalms, the theme is confrontation. Why do the heathen rage and the nations imagine a vain thing? The contrast in Psalm 2 between the Lord who laughs them to scorn and the conspiring people. Psalm 1, the ungodly are not so, but like the chaff which the wind drives away. Not like the the one who meditates on the law day and night. All through those first 41 Psalms, you have this conflict between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. And so, in this second volume, David adds to, and not just David only, because we're preaching, to, I'm preaching today from a Psalm of the sons of Korah as well. We see here the contemplation of God's work as the antidote to our fears. The main thought I want to share with you this morning is do not fear, but see and know amidst all striving that the Lord of hosts is with you. The God of Jacob is your refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. No, that's a mouthful, so let me say it again and then let me try to unpack it. Do not fear, but see and know amidst all your striving that the Lord of hosts is with you. The God of Jacob is your refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Now, this psalm is easily divided. You see, there are some choir directions here. We don't fully understand all of them. We don't know what all the tunes were. 
I don't know what To the Lilies was or Jedothin or a number of the other ones, but we know what Selah means. I read that as part of the earliest manuscripts we have in Hebrew. It's a pause. If we were to put it in colloquial English, we would say, think about that. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to think about that in three parts. First of all, be still and know that the Lord of hosts is your very present help in trouble amidst all the calamities that occur in a fallen creation. That's what he talks about in verses 1 through 3, doesn't he? Notice what he says. But first, before we notice who, what God does, let's see who he is. He is Yahweh Sevaot. What does that mean? He is the Lord of armies. That's what that word means. He is the Lord of the armies in heaven. My friend Jason Van Fleet, who teaches at the Canadian Reformed Theological Seminary in Ontario, came to Heidelberg in 2013 when I was assigned there with the army. And I was, I was blessed beyond all measure. It was the 450th anniversary of the Heidelberg Catechism. And if you know anything about the Germans and tourism, you know that they opened up all the museums, all the libraries, all the artifacts, all the collections. I was holding in my hands first editions printed in 1563 of the Heidelberg Catechism. And Jason came, uh, Joel Beakey came. We had a conference there in the Heidelberg Castle on the Heidelberg Catechism. It doesn't get any better than that. And Jason, who spoke at that time, gave an excellent lecture on our only comfort in life and in death. And Jason comments on this passage. He says about 250 times in the Old Testament and twice in this psalm, God's personal name, Yahweh, is used. His covenantal name, the name by which he has bound himself to his people. I will be who I will be. It's usually printed in your Bibles in small caps as Lord. But it's combined in this psalm, as he points out, with that word hosts. The Lord of hosts is depicted as the supreme commander of the armies of heaven. The word Sabaoth here is a plural noun. And usually, plurality in Hebrew can mean a number of things. It can mean multiplicity. In other words, there's lots of them. It also can mean majesty. This is the Lord of the armies of heaven. Remember how Jesus responded when Pilate said to him, don't you know I have the power of life and death over you? Pilate was challenging Jesus because Jesus was keeping silent before him. And what does Jesus say? Do you not know that I have the authority to call a legion of 10,000 angels to come deliver me? But then how would the scriptures be fulfilled? Jesus is the Lord of the armies of heaven. And this title here tells us who he is. When I was in Operation Desert Storm, one of the things that we were trying to do was build up overwhelming power, high combat ratios, so that our casualties would be few. We put half a million troops from 20-some-odd different countries into Saudi Arabia 
Unfortunately, there's a lot of desert out there, so there's plenty of room for us. But it's kind of like that picture. Remember the servant of Elisha? Remember Gehazi? When Elisha was surrounded by his enemies, and Elisha prays and says, Lord, open his eyes to see. And there were the chariots of fire surrounding the enemies of Elisha. Oh, that God would give us faith to believe his word in such a way that we truly own that those who are with us are greater than those who are against us. And so this is who the Lord is. But notice what the Lord does when things seem to be getting as bad as they can get. The point is David first tells us this because of the things that he's going to tell us next. He says, Though the earth be moved, though the mountains be cast into the sea, we have a picture here of the flood, of the Noahic flood cataclysmic, destroyed the known world. And yet, even in the midst of that, as another psalm says, the Lord sat upon the flood. He is king upon his throne. So we will not fear. Our mission in Neon, Kentucky, from which your new pastor is coming, a while back was filled with one foot of wet mud. They're building because of the mudslides. The earth moved, and the earth was moved into the building. That's kind of the picture. If you can imagine a foot of mud in your church building this morning, gives you an idea of what kind of catastrophic calamities. But multiply that globally. And that's what, what is being said here. 156 people died in Nepal of an earthquake this morning. 14 people died because of Storm Crevin in the UK and in France. Calamities happen. Disaster, national da disasters strike when we least expect it. But we are not called in these moments to fear what the nations fear. We are called from fear to faith. Faith in the Lord of the armies of heaven. Faith in who, the God who says, I will be who I will be for you. Remember what Moses Asked God, who shall I tell the elders of Israel has sent me to them? God says, tell them I am has sent you. That is my memorial name throughout all generations. And so we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at the swelling. The sons of Korah are telling the choirs of Israel to sing. And you're going to do that at the end of the sermon. You're going to sing this song. First application of it in your life. Even though the earth be moved. I'm reminded of the story of the, the four chaplains on the Dorchester. The four chaplains, one was a Jew, one was a Catholic, one was an Arminian and one was a Calvinist, a Methodist and a Dutch Reformed man. And the Dorchester was struck by a torpedo, a Nazi torpedo, and it was sinking. And the chaplains gave away their life preservers. 
and stood on the highest point of the deck and locked arms and sang and prayed together. That's the picture the psalmist is giving you here. Though the earth be moved, though earthquakes happen in Nepal, though storms happen in the Atlantic, it doesn't matter. Remember Jesus, who was sleeping in the boat in the midst of the storm. Do you remember? And they, the disciples wake up, Master, help us, for we are perishing. And Jesus stood up and rebuked the storm, and it was calm. And he said, oh, you little, you little faith, why did you doubt? In the Gospel of Luke, they turned to one another and said, Who then is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? He is the Lord of the armies of heaven, and he is your Savior. So what are you afraid of? Did you notice the contrast between verse 3? Water can do a lot of good. I imagine each of you drank a little bit of that this morning. But water can do a lot of harm. We've been talking about that, haven't we? Notice the contrast in verses 3 and 4. The mountains are being cast into the depths of the sea. The effect of the curse upon creation is such that the world is being destroyed. But what do we read about water in verse 4? There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. The waters of the sea are making the nations of the earth troubled, but the river of God is making the city of God glad. And this isn't merely with reference to the natural creation. Sometimes the psalmist talks about the enemy coming in like a flood. We read about this in a numerous of the prophetic books and the book of the Revelation. There is a genuine threat to the people of God, isn't there? But the Lord of hosts is with you. The God of Jacob is your very present help in trouble. And you are called to be still and know that he is God, not only amidst the calamities of creation, but also amidst the conflicts of persecution. That's what he says next in verses 4 through 7, doesn't he? Jesus says, therefore I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Blessed are you when men revile you and persecute you and utter all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so men persecuted the prophets who were before you. Notice what verses 4 through 7 says. I'm going to open my Bible. I hope yours is open too. I closed mine. Verses 4 through 7, Psalm 46. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy dwelling places of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She will not be shaken. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations roar, the kingdoms shake. He gives his voice. The earth melts. Yahweh of hosts, the Lord of hosts, is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. 
Brothers and sisters, the hour is coming, the day is at hand when it's going to become harder and harder to be a Christian in this country. You may have noticed with the new Speaker of the House of Representatives that the first thing he was called was a theocrat and the second thing he was called was a Christo-fascist because he happens to be a professing evangelical believer. If you can't win the argument, call people names. That's the strategy. The only problem with that is it's a violation of the Ninth Commandment. Shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And see, just at the point where for the first time in the history of our country, the position of the Speaker of House is vacated and people are wringing their hands and saying, woe is us, what will we do? God sends a Christian from out of nowhere. Had any of you heard of this man's name before he was elected? I hadn't. When the enemy comes in like a flood, God will raise up a standard for truth. That's what he promises. The kingdoms shake. The nations roar. Reminds you of Psalm 2, doesn't it? Why do the heathen rage and the nations imagine a vain thing? The nations cry out and the kings take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. But he who sits in the heavens shall laugh them to scorn. He will have them in derision. He will dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. He shall break them with a rod of iron. I will tell of the decree of the Lord, David says. I have set my king in Mount Zion, my holy hill. You see, the Jerusalem of which the psalmist is talking about finds its fulfillment not in the one being contested like a piece of real estate in the Middle East. For the Jerusalem above is free, Paul says in Galatians 4, and is our mother. Where have we come this morning when we've come to worship? The writer to the Hebrews tells us, doesn't he? In chapter 12, verse 22. You have come to the heavenly Jerusalem, to the city of the living God, to myriads of angels. There's those armies of heaven. To the spirits of just men made perfect. To the church, the general assembly of the firstborn. And to Jesus, whose blood speaks better than the blood of Abel. You need not fear. The Lord of hosts is with you. The God of Jacob is your refuge, a very present help in trouble. Christ is king over the nations. What did he say in Matthew 28, verse 18? All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, and he must reign until he has placed all his enemies under his feet. And did you notice the language of the refrain of this psalm? The Lord of hosts, Immanuel is with us. It's the same word used in Isaiah 7, verse 14. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. For Elohim, God, is with us. And when Jesus is born and he is named in Matthew 1, what does Matthew say? This was to fulfill the saying which is written, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which is God with us. You see, all the fury of 
God's righteous wrath and retribution fell upon the king, the Lord of the armies of heaven, in order that the scriptures might be fulfilled, in order that for us sinners the Lord of hosts might be with us and not against us, the God of Jacob might be our refuge, a very present help in trouble, and not a very present threat in wrath. God made him sin, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. He who knew no sin, that we might be the righteousness of God in him. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Through all the calamities and catastrophes that occur in a fallen creation, through all the threats and persecutions, of our enemies. He is with us. So what are you afraid of? Changed your mind yet? How am I doing? The Lord of hosts is with you, beloved. He who spared not his own son, but gave him up for us all, how shall he not also with him freely give us all things? It's very interesting, that verse, by the way. The verb there is paradidomy to deliver up. It's the same verb that is used of Judas' betrayal of Jesus. God, from all eternity, made a decision to give up someone. And he chose, rather give, than giving up his own people unto perdition, he gave up his own son. So that we can say with Paul in Romans 8 verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, in that what is, it was weak through the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. This is why John says in 1 John 4, there is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. So that as you're driving down the road or riding in the car, and you notice the gas prices have gone up again, <laughs> And you go to the grocery store and you check out and you get the little piece of paper that they give you and you notice that it's taking more and more to buy less and less. What's your response? Jesus says, don't be anxious for your life. The Lord of hosts is with you. The God of Jacob is your refuge. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth be moved though the mountains be cast into the sea. For this Lord of hosts, this Lord of the armies of heaven, this God of Jacob who is our stronghold, is not only with us a very present help in trouble, not only amidst all the calamities of creation, not only amidst all the dangers of persecution, but with us to the consummation. Notice how he ends the psalm. Come, behold the works of the Lord who has appointed desolations in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts up the spear. 
He burns the chariots with fire. Here the Lord has fought the final battle. This one who submitted to a crown, a crown of thorns, who submitted to a mugging by a Roman cohort, who submitted to a spear in his side and nails in his hands and nails in his feet, who submitted to the righteous wrath and retribution of God in the flesh do our sins. This one will come again with glory to judge the living and the dead. And as the Nicene Creed says, and of his kingdom there will be no end. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. What are we to do in response? Notice what the psalmist says in verse 10. Be still. Cease striving. And know that I am God. I was in the army for nearly 30 years and sometimes I felt like with the way things were going in some situations we were all going to be issued Bic lighters so we could set our hair on fire and run around and panic more conveniently. Uh, didn't happen often, but it did happen once. I remember it very well. I watched a Scud missile be intercepted by a Patriot missile over my barracks in Dahran, Saudi Arabia. That was a wake-up call for me. I watched the providence of God preserve my life. And maybe not today, and maybe not tomorrow, and maybe not this week. But brothers and sisters, the one who executes his decrees in the works of creation and providence, his most holy, wise, and powerful, preserving and governing all his creatures and all their actions, as the Shorter Catechism says. One day, that God has a day appointed for you, for each of you, from the youngest to the oldest, from the least to the greatest. That day will be the day of your death. Is your faith in this God, beloved? Is the Lord of hosts your refuge? Is the God of Jacob your God? When the earth is moved, when the mountains are cast into the sea, when there are wars and rumors of wars, what is your only true and lasting comfort in life and in death? Who are you trusting? What are you afraid of? Don't take counsel of your fears. Take counsel of your Father in heaven. For he has said, Behold the birds of the air. They sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of much more value than they are? What are you worried about? I remember one member of a church of which I, with which I was associated, and I was having a bad day. And that member turned to me and said, well, don't worry about everything. What are you afraid of? Who is your God? Is he Yahweh? Is he the God of the covenant who has bound himself by the blood of his Son and the power of his Spirit to you to give you new life from above? If this God is with you, then be still and know that he is God. The Lord of hosts is with you. The God of Jacob is your 
refuge. Oh, beloved, you have two alternatives, to live by fear or to live by faith. Therefore, as Moses said in the desert, therefore choose life that you may live, says the Lord. Be still. Know that he is God. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, a very present help in trouble. Let's be thankful. Let's pray.